Hello, welcome into the Harvest Friends. We are here to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. I'm Abigail Wilson. And I'm Andrew Stroud. Hey, so today we have some cool stuff on the podcast. Really off a little, but we're just going to keep rolling. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, Andrew's recent experience of visiting the, what, are, what is it called, Andrew? The so, for it. yeah, they, they actually are called We Are Church. That's the name of their church network. Okay, great. <laughs> the We Are Church network. Um, he was up there this last weekend, and I'm going to basically interview him, pick his brain on what he learned there, uh, what surprised him, um, just all the nuggets that we can possibly glean here at Into the Harvest. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. But first, we have an announcement. Yeah, we've been encouraging folks to sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's an email newsletter, and uh, this is something that we do. It's called Harvest Highlights. It's something that we send out every week that that we believe is full of of content and resources that have been the most uh, inspiring to us or insightful as we seek to uh, live and share our faith in the everyday places of life. Uh, we're trying to make those available and just spread the word to those in our community. So if you would like to receive that, um, then you can go to our website, intotheharvest.org slash newsletter. And every Sunday you will get an email this past week. We had one with a book recommendation, an article, and there are some resources there that you're not going to hear anywhere else on uh, in our in our ministry, whether it's on the podcast or over on the blog. So hopefully folks will uh, sign up for that and it'll be an encouragement to them. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I really look forward to this email because Andrew is the one who curates it. So I have no idea what's coming to my inbox. (laughs) And it's really cool just to see kind of how he has gathered together just some uh, just interesting articles and resources that maybe you wouldn't have noticed or paid attention to. Um, and just with all of the inundation of news and, uh, gosh, everything under the sun that we have at us and each day, it's nice to have something kind of curated and brought to me. And I know that they're going to all be really great links, uh, great listens, great reads. So thanks, Andrew, for that. And you guys should definitely sign up. All right. So I am a little off, um, mostly because my kids are at home um, for the foreseeable future. And I have been like in full-fledged mom teaching mode for the last, since I woke up this morning. So I haven't had but a second to like think my own personal thoughts. So um, that's probably why I'm a little <laughs> like flustered. I have been on in a big way. And uh, my kids are very, very scheduled while well, my oldest one is. And so he has kept us to an intense schedule. 9 a.m., <laughs> go for a walk. 10 a.m., Bible story pondering time, 11 a.m., lunch. I mean, it went on and on. It was intense. So bear with me. (laughs) Yeah. How how are you guys surviving? I mean, obviously we're recording this on Monday. Yeah. Um, Last week was crazy um, with everything going on with coronavirus and the news that was coming out. Obviously lots of shutdowns. Your kids are out of school. My kids are out of school. I was actually up in San Francisco when, you know, everything was kind of unrolling so to speak, with breaking news. But h- how has it affected you guys in Texas, Abby? Well, um, Brad actually was visiting Washington State um, the week before last when things were pretty crazy in Washington, and they still are. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, he was kind of in the hotbed 
for the coronavirus. Yeah. I, um, I've been reading all the articles since the beginning because I, I'm like kind of a nerd about pandemics. I think it's really fascinating. Um, so maybe I knew too much. And so I felt like we needed to be serious about this. But it feels like the whole world is now catching up with me on that. Um, so Brett is home from work, not because he was in Washington, but because that's just what they decided to do. So he's working from home. My kids are home from school for the foreseeable future. So we're all under one roof. Very exciting time. And, uh, and I wrote an article about Into the Harvest Staying at Home is the name of the article. And if you haven't read it yet, it's on our blog. So check it out. Yeah. Okay. Andrew, let's talk about it. So other yeah. than hearing about a pandemic going down as you're at this conference, <laughs> let's hear some of what you got from it. Were there any big surprises for you going into this? Actually, just kidding. We'll get to that question. Tell us how you ended up getting to go to this conference. Yeah, that's probably a good place to start, yeah. Abigail. So um, I had heard in, in the past that Francis Chan had left his mega church and that he had started doing home church up in the San Francisco, the Bay Area. Um, but that was really it. I didn't do any research. Um, I didn't, other than that, I hadn't heard anything about how it was going or what he was doing specifically. Um, but about four months ago here in our local area, um, I bumped into um, Shelton, who is a pastor of a traditional local church here in Chula Vista. And I was actually at a coffee shop meeting with one of the young guys that that I'm investing in fr from our church. And so Shelton had noticed us um, talking about the Bible, and he came over and introduced himself to us. Ended up asking if we were involved in any kind of uh, church here in town, and so explained that we were involved in a house church network. And so he was pretty interested in that. Um because their church is is very interested in in seeing the body of Christ grow in different ways, not just in the uh, traditional model, but house churches as well. And so he told me that Francis Chan has a, a four-day intensive up in San Francisco where you can come up and you can actually observe what they're doing, and they take you through three days of time in the scriptures, but also out on the streets, um, just participating in what they're doing there in the Bay Area. So that was the first time that I had, I had heard about this intensive. They call it the We Are Church Intensive. And uh, I'm really grateful for Shelton. I, I want to say a, a big thank you to him and to his church, Paseo del Rey, uh, Chula Vista, because you know Shelton just volunteered to uh, sponsor me so that I could go up there and uh, be a part of the Francis Chan uh, Home Church Network uh, training, and then he ended up coming with me. So that was actually one of the, the coolest things about it was just being able to hang out together because we're really wanting to take whatever we learn, bring it back down here to San Diego and uh, put it into practice. So so that is how that's how I found out about it. That's so awesome. And I am also really grateful to him. When I read the book, um, I immediately wanted to know all the things and I like to see <laughs> things in action. I remember talking with my friend Katie, who had also read the book, and she and her husband were like, okay, financially, how can we do this? You know, pay to do the conference, but then we would also need to fly from Texas up there to um, where it's located, and then um, we'd have to pay for babysitters and all that. Jazz. Right. So it was, it was a lot of money <laughs> in the right. end. We were like, Woo! 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, we are all really grateful because we're going to totally ask you all the questions. So now we can do that. We can get into what you learned, what you saw, um, maybe what you were um, most inspired by. Okay, so back to my original question. What maybe surprised you the most overall from your experience there? Hmm. I think the, the biggest thing that surprised me was that there is no silver bullet. And so some of the things that, that we're experiencing, some of the challenges, but also some of the strengths I see in being church and doing that in a more uh, everyday environment like homes, uh, it, it presents a unique set of challenges. And also I think there's some strengths that come along with doing that. And in, in an odd way, it was very encouraging to me that, you know, the Lord was doing some of the same things there in the Bay Area as we've seen him doing down here in, um, in Chula Vista and San Diego. And so um, I, I don't know if that makes sense, Abigail, but, you know, some of the same, um, no, no one's got this, this magic formula. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why um, the scriptures talk about laboring for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it is work and there are challenges to, to overcome. So yeah. I think um, that was one of the big surprises and, and, and an encouragement that mm -hmm. it's not easy for anybody, even, even people that may have a higher profile or um, that you might think of as, oh, they've probably got the answers. He wrote a book. Surely they've got something figured out that we don't. Uh, and, and definitely there were some things that I, I learned and I'm taking away from it. We'll get a chance to talk about some of those. But overall, it was just encouraging to see that these were like-minded, like-hearted men and women and families who were experiencing some of the same challenges that we are as they're faithfully wanting to live out and share their faith and be the church um, in the everyday places there in San Francisco. So what was the structure going in? Like, what were you doing for those four days? Yeah, so we actually went up. Um, so the, the event ran from Sunday through Wednesday. We went up on Saturday night because we wanted to to get the full experience. And so on Sunday morning, they actually start off with what they call uh, their pastor's training. And that's every every week on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. They they meet with their their elders, their pastors and their pastors in training. And that's really the um, the structure that they have in terms of leadership. They have elders. It's an elder led network or church network. Um, then they have pastors who actually help lead uh, or who do lead the uh, churches within that network. And then they have pastors in training who are potentially going to become pastors, but also, but, but may not, they're simply in development. And so, so the first thing that we got to observe was how the elders spent time with the pastors and the pastors in training um, on Sunday mornings. And they were going through, um, the week that we were there, they were going through uh, systematic theology um, from, from, by Wayne Grudem, which is pretty, pretty tense. Now, they don't always just go through theology. They also go through uh, counseling, uh, spiritual formation. So they kind of rotate through um, different categories of development with their pastors and pastors in training. Then um, we went, we, we were assigned a home church and we went to a Sunday gathering at one of the, one of the churches. We ended up going, Shelton and I ended up going to one that was in the, um, 
the downtown San Francisco area. So our church was mostly made up of young professionals in their 20s and 30s. Um, mostly singles, but but several couples, but only one couple that had uh, children. There was uh, one couple that had maybe a, an 18-month-old. So for us, it was um, it was probably a little bit different than some of the other home churches just because of the location that we went to. And then that was really it on Sunday. I think oftentimes they uh, they will go out after their Sunday gatherings and they'll do outreach in their neighborhoods and in the city as a church. But uh, our church didn't do that the week that we were there, so we didn't we didn't experience that. Then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, it was more with the leadership of We Are Church, spending time in the scriptures and prayer, and just getting a chance to learn from them and ask them questions about how they do what they do, why they do it, how the network started, and how it's developed. The only thing that was a little bit different from that was on Tuesday afternoon, we did go out and do some outreach and some sharing of the gospel, some prayer with people in the Tenderloin neighborhood, which is um, kind of famous, infamous there in San Francisco, a lot of homelessness, a lot of um, brokenness. Um, so that was that was something that we did on Tuesday. Okay, so you were out in the streets. I was crossing off things as you were going through your time with the home church, like, oh, nothing about kids. All right, I'll cross that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, I did get a chance to ask them questions about it, but I didn't get a chance okay. to really observe to how, how yeah. they deal with the uh, kids. Okay, well, what did you ask? Let's hear about that. Um, I can't remember the exact question, but uh, I think um, the, someone else had asked the question of them is what, what are some of the biggest challenges that they've seen? Um, and actually kids didn't come up, but um, so I threw it out there that, hey, one of the biggest challenges we've seen um it's just the young families um, with with young children, and and how do you accommodate that in a a home setting? Um, which so the the answer that they gave was that they really view church as family, and so if if you would do it with your family, then there's no reason why you shouldn't do it with with your church family as you're gathering, and if you wouldn't do it then um, you probably don't need to do it as a church family. And the way I understood that was, um, you know, in in the traditional church, you know, we'll we'll really outsource our children to nursery or to um, children's church. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not something that you can really do in in most house churches. Um, But that's okay because what is it like... You think about the gatherings that you have with your family, maybe on Thanksgiving or Christmas. It's sort of, I think, a parallel for what we experience in home church from a week-to-week basis. You're getting together with a larger group of folks, the extended family, if you will. And so, yeah, you just need to sort of embrace the chaos, I think, is is kind of what they were getting at, is they may have to pause what they're doing within their Sunday gathering to to give attention to a child or a group of children, but, um, but that's something that, that they'll do. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. And I'm actually really relieved to know that there wasn't sort of something that we've been missing. Maybe (laughs) I, you know, I think we we do think about it a lot. Um, both your, um, ministry there in San Diego and ours here in Texas, 
and we get that question a lot. So, by the way, listeners, we are going to be talking about kids in our in the harvest churches next week. So, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I wish um, I could have uh, brought like more insights from the uh, the the church like, network there in San Francisco about how they accommodate children. I think it's just a church by church basis up there and they don't have like a policy or, Hey, this is how we do it. Um, but for those, I know there are some of our listeners and people in our community that would, that's a big question for them is like, what do we do with kids? Um, we are going to talk about that next week and uh, hopefully it'll be helpful for folks. Right. And I think that's, I think that's good. I appreciate them not having some sort of policy from just my own personal experience, it has changed so much in our church, just depending on the need that it would be crazy to try to have some sort of overarching rules or regulations in regards to kids. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Tell us about um, the time that you were um, out in the harvest in the tenderloin. That's definitely not like normal harvest, by the way, if you're listening to tenderloin is a very um, difficult and, um, a lot of homelessness, a lot of drug use, a lot of prostitution. Um, so there's a lot going on in that area. But what did that look like? What is kind of how did they organize that? How did that go down? So they gave us, it was very similar to Matthew 10, where they gave us some instructions before we went out, just some very practical advice in terms of, um, you know, when you're praying with people, keep your eyes open. Um we went out by twos, so if if someone is is praying and doing, you know, everyone needs to be observant. But um, but especially if you're not the one talking, then you might be able to be praying and be a little more observant to what's going on in your surroundings. Um, you know, not to not to touch people, not to put your hands out on people. Like that's even though they're homeless, that is their their personal space. And so, um, if you are going to pray for someone and you were going to put your hand on them, then ask them beforehand. Um, so there's just some practical advice. Um, and then we went out by twos. We went out for about an hour and then came back to, uh, to debrief that. Um, so that was kind of the, the starting point. Uh, Shelton and I actually went out together for, for our time of outreach and, um, had several conversations with folks, um, but I think one of my biggest takeaways from that, Abigail, was just the um, just the the, the brokenness of th- that sin brings into our world. And sometimes we can go through life, uh, especially if you're just the the, the typical average uh, middle class person in America, um, and you just you don't see some of the most extreme uh, versions of brokenness. But it was hard to be down there for an hour plus in uh, the tenderloin and not just be confronted by, you know, the brokenness that sin brings into our world and the reason why we need a savior in Jesus. So I think that was one of my biggest takeaways was that, man, it's, um, it's, it's serious that, and, and, and it's so easy to look away from it, but, um, but we need to understand why Jesus came to earth and sometimes when you're faced with that that level of desperation and I would say hopelessness that a lot of people had in in that particular area, um, it was it was pretty impacting. 
So were you just praying for people? Were you sharing the gospel with them? Like, what was the intent when they sent you out? Like, what did they want you to be doing primarily? Yeah, it was hopefully to share the gospel. Um, it really depended on the mental state of the person that we were talking to. Um, and there were different degrees of, of lucidity um, with the people that we were talking to. Um, we tried to pray. Well, we did pray for all of them, all the people that we interacted with. Some um, would not allow us to pray with them, but we would pray for them as we were uh, leaving our time with them. Probably uh, the most extended conversation we had was with a man by the name of TJ, who had uh, been on and off um, drugs and and alcohol uh, for about six years. Um, but he was very open, and, and we talked with him quite a bit and encouraged him. Uh, hopefully he's going to look into, they actually have a, a halfway house that's a recovery house, year-long program. And uh, we did get a chance to, to share the gospel with him. Okay. Um, I think that's really cool that they kind of sent you to really the most needy part of that area. Um, I do think it's kind of, um, just recently we were chatting with a friend who, he was talking about how important it is to be in all different types of harvest places. And I think you and I, we have very similar life styles and we're kind of in similar neighborhoods, kind of middle class, upper middle class neighborhoods. And you can get really used to seeing what we all see every day. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you move into either a really difficult um, area like the Tenderloin and then either the, and also the other direction, go to like a gated fancy people neighborhood <laughs> is what I call it. Right. I'm sure that's a really appropriate term for me to use. But anyway. Um, when you go to those really starkly different neighborhoods from your own and you see the spiritual impact that's happening in all of those places and where you're used to and even can impact the areas that you're used to when you return to them, you start to see them a little more differently. You actually see them maybe like before you're kind of blind to what you're used to. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really great opportunity for sure. Okay. Yeah. So let's see what other questions I have. All right. So what is something... Um, that you observed and maybe just really admired and um, wanted to kind of take home as a nugget of wisdom and um, just encouragement? One thing I admired was they, they have a very clear set of values. And he actually talks about that in his book, Francis Chan, Letters to the Church. Um, they have um, five values that they try to to stay oriented by. And those are devoted worshipers, loving families, equipped disciple makers, spirit-filled missionaries, and suffering sojourners. And so as they as they try to live out the life of the church, that's what they are are really building things around is does this describe who we are? And does this describe do these qualities, do these values describe the kind of disciples? that we are raising up um, through the church here. Um, and so um, I, I really appreciated that. One of the, the quotes that stood out to me is, um, it was uh, pointed out that values cost you something, otherwise they aren't values. And so all of us have these values, these things that we're willing to sacrifice for, but I really admired that that they had taken the time as as a leaders group to really process what what are the values that we see in scripture 
and and how do we want to try to live by those and encourage those, foster those within our local churches here. So that's something I really admired. Also, um, I really admired the, I guess you could say the spirituality, that may be the best word, of the leaders that I interacted with there um, with uh, We Are Church. In particular, there were two that we spent the most time with, uh, Rob and Sean, hoping to have maybe one or both of those on the podcast sometime later this year. But um, yeah, they, they were very devoted worshipers themselves. And so every morning we would start off with a, a time of, of prayer and worship, probably 30 minutes. And, you know, when you pray with someone, you can really, you can really see their connection to God, like their, their heart. And um, I was really impressed by the, the devotion that, that these men had uh, to Jesus and their desire to know him and to live a life that pleased him, even when they didn't, um, I would even say their desperation for him. And so that, that was something that really, that I'm, I'm taking away from the time is, am, am I desperate for Jesus? Am I desperate for him um, personally? And am I desperate for his help in what it is that we're, we're trying to accomplish for him? And I saw that in their leadership. So that was something that I admired a lot. Yeah, that's really good. So in the leaders that you saw, I mean, clearly you had kind of leaders you were had been put with, mm-hmm. um, but was it like, did you notice a similarity? Were they all different like ages and backgrounds and, or was it kind of similar? Like what paints a picture of those leaders? Well, yeah, the ones that I saw, there was definitely a, a, a pretty big diversity in backgrounds and personalities. Uh, so Rob um, comes from a, a very um, broken background. I don't know if that's the best word for it, but you know, he, he spent uh, several years in, in federal um, prison, um, came to faith in prison, um, actually met, ended up meeting Francis Chan and getting involved with the house church network there through the halfway house that I mentioned earlier. Um, and so he, he obviously is coming from a certain, um, uh, background and, and cultural upbringing, um, which, which has really opened a lot of doors for him to do ministry in places like the Tenderloin, uh, today. And then Sean seemed to be kind of on the other side of the spectrum and even their personalities. Um, you know, Rob, I, I, I think of as just a very practical down to earth kind of guy. And Sean is, is very intellectual. He's a great teacher of scriptures. And so I definitely saw a diversity there um, between between their leaders. Uh, it wasn't just a, a one-size-fits-all uh, approach. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and I like that I was kind of asked, you know, age demographic, and you also answered regarding, like, giftings and sort of personality, <laughs> which is really good. Right. Because often... Even if you see different ages and different, you know, demographics or different races, you will often just see a lot of the same personalities too. <laughs> like you're just in a room full right. of like extroverts or something. <laughs> so yeah. that's really cool. That's good to hear. Um, okay. So this kind of goes along with what you were just talking about, but, um, do you think that there was maybe a couple or one, um, sort of interaction or conversation that you had that kind of sticks out to you? Um, that you would want to share with us, um, maybe just a, a personal interaction that you had that wasn't necessarily part of the 
um, the teaching time, but that you really benefited from. Uh, you know, I, I would say it probably wasn't so much a conversation. Honestly, I would say that the times that we spent uh, praying um, were probably the most impactful for me. And, and not just the prayer times themselves, but being able to, to see the heart that those, that those leaders have, um, again, for the Lord, but also to, to really ask the Lord to be at work among them. Um, I was really struck by that and impressed by that. It's, it's something that I would like to, um, to, to grow in, in my own relationship with the Lord and something that I would love to see our, our local fellowship here, uh, grow in. So that was probably the most impactful thing that I had. One of our strengths, Abigail, I think is the way I think about this is most people, if you think of there's a, a, a sweet spot, <laughs> I think that exists where, um, we're, we're faithfully living as the church and we're, we're effectively making disciples, um, my microphone's in the way. We're, we're effectively making disciples um, on an individual basis. And I think most traditional churches, and maybe even most house churches, um, they're kind of coming at it from church. And so they're familiar with church, and, and they're trying to become more effective at making disciples on a one-to-one -one basis, or making sure that everyone within the church is, is really growing and being discipled. Um, I think both you and I, certainly, I, I think for me, like we, we kind of grew up in a, a system or a culture where there was such an emphasis on one-to-one -one discipling. And I, I really feel like I'm trying to learn how, well, how can we faithfully be the church? Um, so we're kind of coming at this from two different sides of the spectrum. And I saw that with We Are Church. I, I think they're, they, obviously Francis Chan started in a mega church and and they, they went down to home church, but they're still trying to make disciples and figure out what's the best way to make sure that every member of the church is being discipled and growing. And so I think there's some strengths that we have when it comes to purposeful disciple making in more of a one-on-one -on -one sense that, um, that, that maybe even they, they don't have right now. It's happening. Like they, they meet with folks, but I'm not sure that there is as much of a, um, a background of what to do when you're meeting with folks and how to help people have a framework to grow. Um, I don't know if that's making sense. So and, and I think it, I think it does, but tell me this. Um, so there was the leaders training and kind of meeting with elders on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And then there was the church meeting on Sunday sometime. Um, and that was pretty much it as far as the We Are Church time. Like there, so because to me, what you're right. saying, you and I, we're very used to having also other times where we're right. meeting with people. We're like meeting one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, we're meeting with like the women and the men. So we right. kind of have more discipleship going on throughout the week. So is that what you're talking about there? So they do also have, every church has a Wednesday prayer gathering, which oh. I didn't get to observe um, because we were flying out that night. but. That's my understanding is so you'll have your Sunday morning gathering. Every church will have a Sunday morning gathering and um, every leader within that church is having the opportunity to be developed earlier on Sunday morning. And then on Wednesdays, the church, the churches will have um, prayer gatherings. 
That's like very traditional church, though, because that's like a traditional church. They're like Sunday and Wednesday night. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So that's why I say I think they're coming from it um, from that from that perspective. But I would say that when they gather, it's very non-traditional. It's very it's it's even less structured than what we do because they. um, So essentially, once we they start off with food, which we also do. We love that. Um, on Sunday morning. And then yes, they, love it. what they do is they actually have every person in the church is encouraged. And I would say even expected to be reading along with the same Bible reading plan. They've got it on their website. Um, so then their time of, of teaching is very open mic. So anyone who wants to share, what did you learn from the scriptures over the past week? They're encouraged to do that, and it's just an open time of sharing. Um, well, they actually start first. Sorry, I'm giving details because I think people might be interested in this. Oh, this is really good. I'm actually <laughs> sad that we're like at the end of our time. I know. I'm like, now we're getting into the really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, we can keep tell going. us. We're gonna roll. We're gonna roll on. I'm yeah, sorry, we can friends. keep going. I'm not gonna can... interrupt Andrew on this one. Okay. Right. Tell us the details. So they start with a time of, of food and fellowship, which might go for 30, 45 minutes. Um, and then as they move more into their their time of, of corporate worship and learning, there was probably a 20 or 30 minute period of time where it was just an open time of prayer and sharing or singing, or if the Lord brought a, a word or a thought to mind and you could share that, but it was a, a more of a prayerful time. Um and then when they finished that, they moved into their time spent specifically in the scriptures. But um, the way they do it is everyone's been reading throughout the week. That's the expectation. And so that it's an open mic where anyone can share what the Lord taught them during the week from those passages. Mm-hmm. And they're very comfortable with long silences. They actually teach their pastors that do not do, don't step into the silence. Um so, um, that's one of my, the hardest things for me. I know everyone's shocked. <laughs> it's hard for as, extroverts. <laughs> as a leader, I've had to grow in this skill yes. and I'm still not good at it. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, after that time of, uh, open sharing, um, they celebrate communion. They, they observe the Lord's supper and then they finish with a, a song and prayer. So how, I would actually long- say like, how long was that time? How long was the time where they were sharing about the word? Was that about a 20 minute period too, or is it shorter? I, I would say maybe 30 minutes. Okay. All right. So, so one thing that's different is from start to finish. Um, I think most of their Sunday gatherings are a solid three hours. Um, like we left, we got a ticket because we were parked in a two hour zone and, uh, we were there for three hours. So, um, yeah, it's kind of wild. In, in San Francisco, we got two tickets while we were there. Parking is, is if you go to San Francisco, Uber, do not get a rental car. We um, got tickets when we were there too. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can, you can, you can shoot up on the street in the sight of police officers, but do not dare park in a, uh, a non-parking zone or you will. You we will, all have and, priorities. <laughs> it was pretty wild. Um, so yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty extended time of of spending, but I would say that their their gatherings are actually much less structured in a sense than than what we're doing. 
Abigail, and I don't know exactly how you guys are doing your Sunday gatherings, but um, the the pastor, both pastors that were there, um, because they have two pastors per church, both pastors who were there, they both shared something from the reading, but it was, um, you know, maybe three minutes, and it was a pretty basic thought. It wasn't it wasn't a sermon. It wasn't a teaching per se. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how long do your your times go when you guys meet? <laughs> so for us, we also start off with um, breakfast, uh, kind of a breakfast brunch uh, meal. Everyone's encouraged to bring something. We start at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, um, but it's kind of a soft start. People are still showing up at 1030, and that's that's fine. We usually start eating around 1020. And so from 1020 to around 11-ish, um, we're just talking, hanging out, catching up from the week, uh, eating breakfast. And then at 11, we transition to what we call share and prayer. Um, and that is more of an open mic. Uh, we really consider that to be our time of worship in, in a sense that we're giving praise to God for the things that we've seen him do over the past week. And, and you know, that's really what praise is. Praise is taking the time to see where God has been at work and then declaring that publicly or among the saints. You can do that with music, or you can just do that by speaking words. And uh, and then we have a time of praying together uh, to thank God for how he's been at work and to pray for the needs that we have within our, our fellowship or that we see in the world around us. And that typically goes from 11 to 11.30, that time of share and prayer. And then... Um, and then we spend time in the scriptures together. We just finished the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke this past week. Um, typically, we'll, we'll do about half a chapter each week, but we read through it together as a church. We do have a discussion leader. And so someone has spent time during the week reading ahead and thinking through what are the, um, a, a more mature believer has spent time during the week reading the passage and thinking through what are the important uh, truths that we need to draw out from this. So it's a little bit more of a hybrid because it's open. Anyone can share what they observed from the text, but you have a discussion leader who's going to make sure that certain things are covered, certain questions are asked. Um, and then we, uh, we wrap up. Sometimes we'll do, we do the Lord's Supper on the last Sunday of every month. And so that's, that's a pretty typical Sunday gathering for us. Man, and you you even had like break off times, like at eleven thirty, you do this. I was just thinking, you know, we start at five, and then we just. I know that it's usually around eight or eight thirty that people are leaving my house. So right. a whole bunch happens between that beginning, <laughs> but it's definitely at least three three and a half hours. I would say, just in general, right. um, I think that that can scare people when you tell them that. So I tend to just not share how long it's going to be. really <laughs> right. rude. But I'm just like, you know, show, show up at five. <laughs> just block yeah. out your whole evening for us. Um, but I tend right. to see that especially newer people will, you know, bow out early and we're fine with that. Like it does right. take a little bit of um, getting used to for sure. And I yeah. would say our first hour is fellowship eating time um, because we have a lot. Actually, um, about two weeks ago, um, some members of our church, who I will not name, um, we finally were like, hey, do you guys know that church starts at 
five and not five thirty, and they were like, "Oh, we had no idea." <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we're know. not so great. Yeah, they'd been showing up just just every you know like like clockwork thirty minutes late, and they're like, "Hmm, we don't think maybe they know." So um, we're clearly not great on our um, communication skills. Um, but I think very similar to yours, but maybe um, the mix for us is that while we have someone leading every portion of our time, even the first part where we're worshiping or, you know, talking about our weeks and prayer requests and stuff, we kind of have someone lead each part so that right. um, everyone is having that opportunity to lead. Um, and, you know, our eight, nine-year-olds are definitely doing that now, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, and I think That's they great. have that. Yeah, that confidence to um, use the discussion, especially in um, the first and third part of our church, which is very easy to lead. Um, but even our middle section, which is our time in the Word, um, we try to have the same questions that we ask every week. Right. That way there isn't uh, just some sort of you know, scary learning curve as a leader to lead someone right. through the scriptures. Um I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying about like there being a maturity to that leadership there. And I think um, we really lean on and benefit from those in our church who are a little bit further along and have more insights. I mean, mm-hmm. we're constantly looking over at Chuck Wood, like, what do you know? Because he knows everything. So, <laughs> And he's always really nice to like not tell us that we're idiots all the time, which is great. So um, yeah. we are really beneficial, like benefit from having such a diverse group in the sense of maturity and how long we've been believers and it's all over the spectrum. But I think that even um, the youngest believers, literally youngest, um, can still lead that portion. And I appreciate that because I hope in that regard, you can be um, something that can be easily modeled wherever. And so anyone who's in our churches can hopefully see that and think, I can do this. If I have to move and no longer be part of the Wilson's church or right. on the Strauss's church, you know, that we can make this happen somewhere else. Um, and it sounds like um, that's a little bit what they're doing. In fact, there's maybe even less structure than ours, and so maybe even more reproducible for all we know. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's where it's kind of hard, because I think when you're just getting started, you need, you need it to be simple. In my view, you need it to be simple, but you also can really benefit from a, a simple framework. So I always talk about having um, a framework and a script. Um, yeah. When you're when you're just getting started, to have that framework like you guys do the three thirds. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do the share in prayer and then the time in the scriptures. And as we go through the scriptures, we're asking the three questions: what, so what, now what. You know, that's just a simple model, I guess, if you will, that can get you started. And then you can you can grow in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, it's unfair to uh, it's not a critique of what they're doing. It was just different. than. No. Than yeah. I do don't things. think I don't think, see it as a critique at all. I just think it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a friend this past week who was sharing about kind of her network of, of house churches that she was a part of. And um, it is very structured and she Hmm. coming from our um, house church was kind of mentioning that of just how it had kind of changed the way she even thought when she was leading a group that she had this constant like need to facilitate 
And she was like, I'm not used to that. I was like, Ooh, I wouldn't be either. Like <laughs> that just feels like a lot of pressure. Um, right. but it was there, um, where they are and the people that they're reaching, um, I think are probably more used to that. And so yeah. even in that, um, that's a good thing to remember as well, that we're all in different parts of the country. We're reaching different people groups. Um, so there's going to be lots of different ways to do this. And man, I'm so thankful that you had this opportunity to go up there and bring back some info for us. I think that in general, it's going to be a lot of really great conversation starters for us here as the harvest as we move forward this year. So I'm excited to keep talking about your time there. I'm sure it'll come up again. But thanks for sharing with all of us who could not spend thousands of dollars to go to that conference. Yes, <laughs> well, it's not thousands of dollars for most people just here in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't thousands of dollars for us for I sure. Uh, although I'm, the parking tickets definitely uh, jumped up. The, oh. uh, I think we had like $130 oh. worth of uh, parking Yay. tickets throughout the week. But, you oh, know, Abigail, yeah. I would say if um, if folks have questions that maybe didn't get addressed in this conversation, they can um, leave comments for us in the um, the comment section over on YouTube under this video and we will definitely be be happy to respond to those in the comments or um if you know us personally then you can dial us up and have have more of a conversation yeah that's a great idea so i'm sure that as we've been talking you've just been yelling at us and to answer certain <laughs> questions and we did not hear you so please leave us a comment or um do we still have they can call up and leave us a question and can they still do that Yes, we still have the voicemail feature. It's called SpeakPipe, and the link is always in the show notes, either on the podcast or under the video description here on YouTube. That's my favorite way for you guys yeah. to leave a comment. So please do that. And thanks again, Andrew, for letting us rack your brain on the last weekend. And we'll see you next week to talk about kids in the Harvest Church. I know you guys are going to want to show up for that one. It's going to be fun. Until then, yep. please stay healthy, everybody. We're going to be inside doing that. Exactly. So, yep. see you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, Abby. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.